Hello, and welcome back to Make Others Successful, a podcast about modernizing your workplace and improving your organization's communication, collaboration, and business process automation. Today, we're tackling the question, what really is a modern workplace? Being a modern workplace can mean a lot of things, but there's one thing that's certain. It's always a moving target. So we'll be talking through the three areas that we focus on, and those are communication, collaboration, and business applications. And we're going to give a glimpse into each one of those to see what they really look like in a modern workplace, as well as a little history on where they've come from. While we do talk about some specific technologies, know that these can be applied agnostically, independent of a specific technology. It's more about culture and mindset than anything. So let's get into it. Please enjoy the conversation with Matt Dressel, Mike Bodell, and myself. Recording a podcast in an open office is an interesting Problem. task. Yeah. Like we, sorry, we're too little to have a dedicated studio space, but like yeah. we're, we're joined here with a couple people working in the background while we chat. Or as Matt would refer to us, rinky dink. Yeah. You like that? Yeah. We are rinky dink. That's what we are. I think there's a word bounty on that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, we could say rinky dink during the podcast. Well, I mean, it's recording right Actually, now. Actually, I so. think that's, I'm going to jot that down. I think we should do word bounties for our podcast. <laughs> And at the end, say who got who got the most. Like this is silly. This we got to figure out a way to have like not know what not everybody know what know all, what the word all is. they are. Yeah, what the bounties are, and then have a way. So we we have our listeners try to send us what words they think were random in the episode, and what maybe they can get a points prize. or a prize or something. Right. Yeah, if they guess what the bounty word bounty was, we're gonna ga- gamify everything. <laughs> I, I actually really like the idea of word bounty. I think it's okay. I think you got to figure out the mechanics of it. Okay, let's get started. Let's do introductions quick. Um, If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name's Mitch Harima. I help with a lot of the operations here at Bulb and do have a background in development. So I help with um, software development and um, some of the the power platform development that goes on at Bulb. My my name is Mike Bodell, and I am the business apps lead here at Bulb. And I also have kind of a software background. I've been doing this kind of thing for 20 years plus, kind of in a consulting way. Um, but I'm kind of responsible for heading up the charge when it comes to things like power platform, no code, low code, uh, things like that in the Microsoft 365 space. Uh, and I'm Matt Dressel, and I also am leading a group here at Bulb Digital, specifically the communication collaboration group focused on things like intranets and teams, um, everything to do with, like I said, communication collaboration. Cool. So to set the stage a little bit, we have a topic today, which is what does modern workplace mean? So everywhere we say we're a modern workplace company, and it's maybe not obvious as to what that means all the time. And it can have a lot of different meanings. So we wanted to define it according to our context and talk through some of the different areas that we focus on for modern workplace. When we say we're a modern workplace company, that means we help other organizations learn how to be modern workplaces, right? Mm -hmm. In addition to that, it also means we're a modern workplace and we strive to be a modern workplace. We have not achieved the ends and I don't think there is a panacea or ideal state to be in, right? Uh, we talked about Bulbtopia. that. Right. The, there is no such thing as Bulbtopia, really. <laughs> um, and so I think our journey is one where we continue to strive 
to improve and use the tools that we have at our, at our disposal to make employee experience, customer experience better uh, all the way around. Modern workplace is not something that stops. So um, there, was moder- there were modern workplaces that you could have worked at 10, 15 years ago um, that now look very different. Um, and the concept of a modern workplace is, make, is a constant improvement and looking at what you're doing and comparing that to what technologies and processes are available and making sure you're applying them on a regular basis, right? Somebody could, who goes through a modern workplace um, uh, project 20 years ago, if they haven't done any work since then, they're way behind the times now, right? 20 years ago, yeah, they, when they got done, they probably were a pretty modern workplace. But today, uh, by today's standard, they would be you know, ancient in a lot of ways. Yeah. So if you're someone that is listening and you think, man, there's a better way to do X at my organization. There's a better way to communicate about a certain topic or work on documents together to automate business processes. Like this is maybe a a package together picture for you so that you might be able to take it, share it, use it um, so that you can kind of know the breadth of, of what a modern workplace looks like in our eyes. Makes sense. So do we want to talk about some kind of specific examples in the different areas and kind of what, what a modern or what a workplace would have looked like then versus what a modern work, workplace looks like now? Yeah. So right? I brought these old timers here that can help share what, what the workplace used to look like. My first workplace had Slack, uh, my professional workplace, right? Like after college had Slack. So I haven't been in a, a pre-Slack world in the, the professional workplace. So I, I brought Matt and Michael along to, to uh, sure. talk a little bit about those. So we're going to go through what these areas used to look like in an organization to what today looks like, to what the future maybe looks like. So area number one that we're going to talk about today is communication. Matt and Mike, can you talk a little bit about like defining what communication is? And then we're going to go through what it used to be and what it is today. Sure. So communication is any number of things... Um, and you can think about it in terms of emails back and forth between individuals, right, within an organization or groups of individuals. Uh, or you might think of something like corporate communication. How does something come from the top down um, and how does that get disseminated? How does corporate receive feedback from the bottom up? Um, that's another form of communication. You know, Matt, are there any other ones you... A lot of people, th- so a lot of people think about it also from the point of view like a marketing, a marketing group. When we talk about it, generally speaking, we're not necessarily talking about modernizing your marketing or external communication, right? Uh, We're really talking about communication inside of your organization. And when you talked about um, uh, the the corporate communication, uh, the one of the ways that we I like to talk about it is anytime you're thinking about a very small group of people trying to distribute information to a larger group of people. That's kind of the thing that we're talking about, right? They're not necessarily directly communicating back. That would be what we would call collaboration. We're going to talk about it a little later. Um, but anytime where it's like a generally speaking, a one-way communication path, that's what we're talking about. So methods that corporations might use to keep their people organized, updated, and energized yeah. about the mission. Yep. So what did it used to look like, say, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago? Well, I think a lot of it was uh, large meetings, physical, like everybody come to the, you know, to the cafeteria or to the lunchroom. We're going to talk about what's happening. Right. Um, certainly that's one way. And I think, um, that's still a valid form of communication 
in the modern world. It's right? an important where, way of where we're all together, right? I think it's been a little bit different for the last year, given the pandemic situation. Um, but that would be one way. Um, I think email is probably another way. And then uh, there's obviously like the paper memo, right? Yeah, that's right. Like, well, didn't someone have to like walk around an office and drop stuff off everywhere? Well, basically, yeah, the corporate mail mailman, right? Yeah. So I like I've never worked at a place. Well, that's not true. The first place I worked there it was they had a whole uh, campus of buildings and that, yeah, they had corporate mail and they sent stuff back and forth. Generally, it wasn't for like distributing like corporate communication as much. It was more for like delivering individual messages between between people. But it was very common to have like uh, a newsletter that went out once a month or once a quarter. And it was, you know, in a lot of ways, it was it was physical. Right. Um, and if it wasn't physical, it was some uh, PDF or or other uh, uh, method of disseminating that information. Um, but it was very manual, very formal um, content. So what came next? When did it start to shift? So the uh, communication about this has cha- has been shifting for a long time at various organizations for various reasons. A lot of it had to do with um, the size of the organization, what they're trying to, to communicate, and how frequent. Um, you know, obviously, if you're going to print a physical piece of media and send it to a lot of people, there's a lot of effort involved in that. And so there was always a desire to make that go quicker, um, be easier, be able to do more. And so I think a lot of the change happened with email, right? Uh, a lot of the anything that would happen by paper started to happen by email. Um, and so people would create distribution lists to say, hey, I'm going to you know, send this message out to all the organization. Um, and sometimes that would be like the actual newsletter. Sometimes it would be little bits of information. Um, but then obviously people had problems with that because now I get, you know, 10 emails a week, uh, related to communication. And that's like, it just gets lost in the noise, right? Um, there's not a lot of meaning. So a lot of places struggled right around the time that I started having, you know, getting into the workforce intranets, uh, as a concept were becoming more and more prevalent. People like the idea of having, uh, if, if, and if you're not familiar with what it is, an intranet is a is a um, website. website, but its target audience, instead of being for the public, is meant for your organization, people that work with you to disseminate information. Um, but a lot of places struggled with actually doing it. Right? Like, do I do I do I have the money to hire a team of web developers to develop an intranet and develop custom pages and all of that? Right? Um, and that kind of progressed into, you know, there's, a lot, there's been a lot of tools to try to make that easier. And fast forward all the way till today, um, there's now a large uh, number of options for solutions that allow you to easily create pages. You don't need somebody who knows a bunch of HTML. You don't need somebody who has a bunch of, uh, of technical expertise to design pages um, and uh, implement content. And so, you know, today, a part of a modern modern workplace would be some form of an intranet, whether or not that be a full, you know, you know, multiple sections, multiple multiple areas of content, or whether or not that's just pretty simple, basic information about, you know, HR benefits, policies, procedures, that type of thing, um, and news. You know, that's definitely one component of it. And then also some sort of digital notification. So whether or not that be 
using notifications in other systems like Teams, like uh, Slack, like email to notify people when things are going on, whether or not, or if that's a push notification to an, a built-in app on a mobile device, right? With 20 years ago, not everybody had a mobile device, right? Today, almost everyone, whether or not it be a corporate provided device or a personal device, everybody's got mobile device. That's been a huge change in the last 20, 20, 30 years. Mike, anything else that I missed? Uh, to your point about mobile device, like I would say one of the, the tenets of modern communication is all of this stuff that we're talking about is available on any device, right? Accessible yeah. on any device, anywhere, anytime. Um, and much of it is also um, what you might consider to be persistent, right? It lives longer than just the moment that it was communicated yeah. and can be found later, yeah. um, and which is valuable for new people in the organization, right? Um, or, oh, gee whiz, I need to go find that news article or that newsletter that was published do I, I go, do I gotta go dig through my email and my inbox and i don't even know if it's been archived or deleted or can i trust my corporate internet to have an archive of that and be easily searchable yeah that's that's a great point the the worst part of that whole thing is if you are an organization that's growing you hire somebody new and they want to go somebody references the news article that was in you know three months ago they don't even can't find it in their email it doesn't exist they have no way to get access to it because it's, there's not a place where I can go find it. I have to go talk to somebody else and see if they can send me a copy of that thing that I got. They got an email. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The one, I guess the one other thing that I would raise that just came to mind um, is the use of video streaming tools oh, yeah. right, for doing corporate communication. Um, video contents rather than email. Yeah, send an email with a video, link to a video. And something like that is effective uh, in the scenario where you're not all in the workplace or in the scenario where you have a lot of different offices in different regions and you need to like gather everyone uh, to hear the message at the same time. Um, or somebody comes back from vacation and needs to hear that message, right? Um, they can play, play back that video. It, it also, a lot of places are finding it a great way for executives to communicate more regularly, right? Like uh, to wait for a quarterly meeting to hear from, you know, an executive, maybe too long, maybe once a month, they can send out a, you know, a three minute clip, video clip, um, to everyone and, you know, talk about how things are going. And that makes it really easy to do that rather than trying to find a scheduled time where everyone can meet together, you know, and it can be a little less formal. It doesn't replace those formal things, but it, it definitely organizations are doing that on a regular basis for sure. I think we should talk, yeah, more in a future episode about maybe an intranet and how all that stuff lives on there and some strategies around it. Is there anything else? Could you maybe just like sum up if someone is embracing modern workplace communication at an organization, what does that look like today? So it really boils down to a uh, thoughtful and streamlined process for disseminating information. And from a tool perspective, it, you know, intranet is definitely something you should be considering. Um, figuring out how to use uh, email communication in conjunct or notifications via Slack or via Teams or via you know, a push notification to help notify people. So figuring out what works for you. You know, some organizations, you know, uh, and the reason I'm saying it this way and not like saying this is what you should do is it, it isn't super prescriptive. If you're an organization that has a lot of people that don't have computers, right? 
my my answer about the technology is going to be a little different than somebody who is full of uh, users who are sit at their computer all day long and aren't really mobile too often, right? Um, so it really does depend, but it's really going to be an intranet, some sort of technology to, to store this information, house this information for everyone, a way to use that to communicate and notify people. Like I said, Slack teams, um, you know, a push notifications through an app or something like that. Um, and then also really a, a group of people who are focused on that communication. So some organizations will have, like I was talking, a marketing department or a communications department. But when they think about it, they think about it exclusively external. You should have someone who is focused on making sure that your internal communication is is delivering on the corporate experience that you want for your employees. This, Maybe when you get to a certain threshold of size, like dedicating a person to that. If, if it's not dedicated, you should just have somebody who's thinking about it, right? Like you should have somebody that took a day and said, hey, this is the type of, this is the style that we use for this type of communication. Um, and these are the types of things we communicate. Cool. So our next section is collaboration. And I know communication and collaboration intertwine quite a bit. So maybe we'll talk about some of the same solutions and, and reference some of the same things. But can we talk about what collaboration is and, and kind of the context of what we're talking about when we say we want to help someone with their collaboration? Yeah, so I can take a, a, the high level a minute. Um, I talked about it a little bit on communication being uh, going from a small group of people to a large group of people kind of in a one directional. So it's generally speaking from, from that small group to the larger group. Collaboration is any time that you're trying to have that two-way communication, either chatting back and forth, like actually talking back and forth about a topic, all the way to you know doing or th organizing projects with like uh, task lists and due dates and calendar events and um, or working on documents to create um, a proposal or anything really right that's the core of what collaboration is okay so tell me a little bit about the old world of collaboration and what it used to look like to collaborate with someone at work I think it was all, almost exclusively prior to the tools that we have today scheduled physical physically present meetings, right? Everyone together at some level. Which um, everyone loves, right? Which everyone loves. Whiteboards um, and, you know, all of the stuff that goes along with that, um, at least in my experience. And I mean, shortly after that, I mean, people would send documents back and forth, right? So the next thing would be email. So it was very common even 20 years ago to, I'll email you the, P the PowerPoint that I just worked on. You go make updates and email it back to me. And then, file shares. And then the third person emails the, another in between and says, hey, I made an update too. And now you've got three versions of the same document. Which one's right? Uh, that's the classic collaboration nightmare, uh, which was very common. I mean, that's very common. was very, very common. Uh, like you, you just said, file shares, like local file shares. That was also a common thing. Of course, the problem there is two people open the document at the same time. And you save over the top of somebody else and IT's dream. Right yeah, there. it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful times. But that's that's what people were doing for a very long, very long time. Um, and even today, people are doing that a lot. A lot of people are still doing that. That is a common thing. They're very comfortable with email, attaching something, trying to keep track of it that way, um, managing documents that way. Assigning a specific individual as the scribe. Mm-hmm. Right? During, yeah. during a meeting. During a meeting. Yep. They they also, you know, when you now think we have about transcriptions. Yeah, now we have automatic transcriptions. Uh, it was, but it also was like for project stuff, it's like you'd use a piece of software, right? Uh, so you'd use project or something like that. But even then, 
it's still a document and you'd have to send it back and forth and manage it that way. Maybe you were advanced off to do like project server or use something, use, use something a little bit more modern, but generally speaking, all of those things were done in that same kind of mode where uh, it wasn't true real-time collaboration, what we'd call real-time collaboration. It was very serial collaboration. It was, I would make a change, try to send it to you. You would make a change and send it back to me. And I would make it like, that's, that's generally how collaboration has gone for a long time. Um, and then more recently, if yeah, we want to talk about now, to, when did it start to shift? I mean, a lot of it shifted when you started to had, have move off from physical file shares. Um, physical file shares have been a problem forever because the file infrastructure just wasn't built for collaboration like that. So, you know, when you started to have SharePoint and, and, uh, Google doc or, uh, not Google docs, but Google drive, I was going to say, um, I, have, I have memories or, of like seeing real time people typing on Google Docs and like being amazed. Yeah. So Google Docs is that like the next level. The first level, though, was just having a tool that would put those files on a server somewhere and then manage synchronizing that back and forth and the conflicts. Right. So in that world, you're really you're still dealing with stuff on your local machine. But now you have this tool that would synchronize the data out to a server and back to someone else's machine and then would tell you, oh, you edited this document at the same time somebody else edited it, like merge, figure out the conflict, right? So it was a little bit better than a file share, um, but it still had a lot of the same challenges. And then the next level was when, you know, you started to have Word Online, you started to have Google Docs, you started to have uh, Google Sheets, you, like all of these collaboration tools that now allow you to edit in real time. And even now to, to today, even in the desktop apps, apps for all of the Office 365 apps, you have real-time collaboration. And it's there's been huge strides in that. So now, regardless of whether or not you're on the web, on the desktop, anywhere, you can now collaborate fluidly. And that's only talking about documents. That doesn't even talk about the real-time collaboration related to meetings, right? So now, like back in the day, there wasn't really an enterprise-level communication plat chat communication platform. You know, it started with Skype for business. Um, it's that, you know, then it moved into, you know, several iterations of that, quite frankly. And then now you've got Teams, you've got Slack. These things now allow you to have real-time communication all the time and be connected all the time about anything, right? Chatting or whiteboarding or uh, doing lots of different things. So both of those things have greatly transformed uh, how we collaborate. I feel like every time you're talking about tools, you say a Microsoft product first. It's like you're plugging Microsoft or so. it's like we're Actually, a Microsoft first, shop or something. That's not true. The first thing I said was Google Docs. Mm. I did because I said maybe I said OneDrive and then Google Google Docs, but I meant Google it's Drive. Okay. Everybody, but should, I said both. everybody should know. We we focus we on most of our Microsoft. time on Microsoft. I don't use and I don't use Google <laughs> Gmail for my personal email. No way. I've never used a Google Doc in my entire life. Google Sheets is terrible. You should never use it. Oh gosh, there's some bias going on here, people. <laughs> we should probably cut that out. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So one other two-way thing before we move on from collaboration. When we're talking about like Microsoft specifically, right? We can talk talk about tools for getting feedback from your employees, right? Yeah. Um, so Microsoft Forms, right, yeah. is a, is a great tool for doing internal surveys. You can do external surveys with it too. Um, but that's just another way, right, to open up that dialogue um, so that it's not just all corporate is communicating down to you. Like they can actually get some feedback on the stuff that they're doing. Yeah, so, yeah, we didn't mention like you've now got monday.com. You've also got 
uh, what's the other one? The other two, Asana, um, Asana Trello, Trello uh, Planner in the Microsoft space. You've got Calendly for doing calendar calendar stuff. It's basically this, the whole concept is to take little pieces of that collaboration that used to be really manual, put it in the cloud, allow people to work in a very collaborative way, and you can go on. The list is is almost never ending, right? There are so many apps that have, from a collaborations perspective moved to the cloud and allowed you to have that same real-time collaboration experience, um, you know, like I said, it's almost never ending. Yeah. I want to highlight, you talked about Calendly just, just for a second. Like if you don't know what it is, it's a tool where you can wire up your calendars to an online service and they can provide an interface for someone to go in and book time with you. It removes so much of that back and forth scheduling and makes it so easy to just grab time with someone. I feel like I should plug the Microsoft tool. <laughs> bookings. But nobody, but booking, well, bookings isn't exactly the same thing. I think the same thing and the name of it is, is escaping me. It's like meet. Find time. Find time, Find yeah. Time. So, the, and just to be really 100% clear, their target market is I need to schedule a meeting with somebody not in my organization. Obviously, if you're only scheduling stuff with your own organization, you can use Outlook and it'll yeah. tell you what their schedules are. The problem is I don't have the permission to go look at somebody else's schedule. And this is basically allowing you to say, I don't care. Uh, these are the people who I want to be able to look at where I have, where they can find time and you can block stuff out and whatever. Um, and it basically solves that problem. But it's an example of modern workplace, right? All right. So I think that does it pretty well for collaboration. Lastly, we have business apps. Mike, do you want to give us a little bit of an overview of that area and what we mean by business apps? Sure. So I think business apps um, is anything that you can think of that you might use to run your business, to store data for your business, to enact processes for your business, the things that make your business run. So you might think of an ERP system or a point of sale system um, or a you know customer relationship management system. All of those systems are um, tools that your employees or you use to make things happen for your business and ultimately deliver something for your customer. Um, and those things, you know, they come in a variety of shapes and sizes. There are the big packaged software softwares that you can buy off the shelf um, and hire a, a team of that vendor to come and implement that for you and customize it. Um, there are homegrown applications that you might build from scratch using, you know, .NET um, code or C++ back in the day. And we also need to remember that some of those business apps are built by individuals within the organizations kind of out of their own initiative and innovative temperaments. And they might use something like an Excel spreadsheet that can become critical to a business um, by the time they get done putting a bunch of functionality and data into it, or even like an access database application. Um, that's something that we often see um, that becomes integral to a business and how they function. I was, I was thinking about saying something, but I don't think I want to say it. Do I want to roll into, and now what? No, I can do that. Okay. All right. Cool. I think that gives us a good picture. Can you walk us through maybe what it used to look like? Um, cool. I think that gives us a pretty good picture. Can you walk us through what maybe business apps used to look like? Yeah. So a lot of what I just kind of talked about is what it used to look like. Like, obviously those things are still in existence, but ultimately those things were, were either large pieces of software that required a number of individuals, a large team to implement, um, either to write the code, test it, deploy it, um, or 
to implement from a package solution, right? If you think about some of the you know big solutions that are out there like Salesforce um, or some of the old ERPs that you might get from IBM or Oracle or things like that, right? You were not only making a large capital acquisition for the software, but you were then going to embark on a project that involved your team as well as the vendor's team to actually implement that in your organization, right? Based on your needs and processes. Um, and that's that's kind of what it what it used to look like. And then when you think about the like the access database side and the like Excel spreadsheet side, um, those are kind of like for small businesses, those become like integral pieces and they need them to sort to survive at some point in time, right? They become so dependent on them. And really the challenge there that we have seen historically is that those specific technologies aren't really geared for the enterprise. So if you think about something like an access database application, um, usually they're delivered on a file share and you have all kinds of issues with multiple people accessing that data or that application at the same time. And you get ultimately conflicts and things like that. Or And you get the same thing with an Excel spreadsheet. If two people are trying to deal with an Excel spreadsheet as their data, you know, um, that they're dealing with. Uh, at the same time from a file share, they're going to get all kinds of conflicts and things like that. And so those types of things pose challenges and organizations, you know, back in the day and even still today, um, implement all kinds of rules and things that they do to get around those challenges. Um, but truly, they're challenges. And uh, in today's world, there are a number of ways to overcome those challenges. Yeah. So they used to, the, the buying process used to be we're going to invest in this huge thing, or maybe it's a little bit cowboy, hard to, to invest something into someone's little pet project that maybe not set up the right way. Yep. That fair? Yeah. And, and when you think about those like cowboy little projects, right, it's really like there's a immediate and very focused need that somebody has and somebody has a great idea on how to, you know, meet that need or solve that problem and they do it and everybody's super happy until a year and a half later when the team has grown and they realize, oh, this thing breaks once a week and we got to deal with it, right? Cool. So let's move forward in time a little bit. How did this change over time and evolve into where it is today? So a lot of the change uh, that we're seeing today is focused around uh, making tools, making development suites, if you will, more accessible to what you'd call the citizen developer, right? Um, so you'll see a lot of things out there related to no code or low code solutions. Um, and in the Microsoft 365 space, right, we're talking about power platform, which includes power automate power apps, um, even dynamics to an extent. Um, and the intent there is that you're providing enterprise level application platform capability, um, and putting the power to create those things, to create functionality in that platform in the hands of the people who are actually going to be using the application, right? Um, the innovators in your organization. So rather than hiring a team of developers, right, that know how to write a bunch of code and follow all of those software development lifecycle processes, you can actually have somebody in your organization who's a basically a power user, right, knows how to use Excel really well, or maybe it's the person that built the access database that you've been relying on for the last two years, those people can easily pick up the skills needed to build an enterprise level app using something like Power Apps. Yeah, I think the the no code portion of, of that description is helpful because for a while it was an investment in a software project that someone actually knew, had to know how to write code, had to know the syntax and 
how to structure a project and how to develop it. And all that is pretty complicated to the average person that just wants to get something from A to B. Yeah. And one of, one of the things I would point out, and Matt, you can probably talk a little bit more about this is when we say no code, low code and citizen developer, um, that doesn't mean that you can't or that you shouldn't put some sort of framework around it or uh, guidelines like guardrails uh, for your team to be working within um, because there are gotchas. There are things they're going to get stuck on. There are right ways to do things and wrong ways to do things um, that will ultimately down the road, if, you, if you're not thinking about it, they'll, they'll catch you. Um, and then you'll have to come back and, and kind of do that again. I don't know, Matt, you probably have some experience with some of those types of scenarios yeah. and, the, and the proper way to manage that. Yeah, I mean, it, and, the, and the proper way to manage that. It really comes down to having a transition, right? The point of low code, no code is that you want to try to get the uh, ability for people who know the business process, get tools in their hands that allow them to start the process of creating something that would improve their process. So they can kind of figure out whether or not it works or not. As they get, it gets more and more complex, you wanna move that into someone who maybe has a little bit more development experience, can apply some of those life cycle, man life cycle uh, uh, methodologies like you were talking to the low code, no code solution, which to do all of that requires a process and a better understanding across your organization about where these fit in, in your organization. Um, because it's not just all about shadow IT and you know letting people do whatever they want. It's about using it as a as a way to accelerate your your um, your overall goals, right? If you can spend a week on something and figure out that it's a really good idea, okay, now how do we get that to go uh, bigger and make it make it uh, uh, something that is you, used you across about the like people just right? doing whatever they want to do. One of the other things, like we've talked about kind of more formal apps in this conversation so far, but the reality with no code and low code is that there's an opportunity for personal automation now that hasn't been there before. Um, and uh, it's technically, if you're in that Microsoft 365 environment, for example, it's just available to you and you can make your day better, right? As some, you know, somebody who's functionally doing something in the business, you can make your day better by using that personal automation. But again, that's that thing that you wanna be able to manage as an organization. Um, and if you're small, it's not going to be so bad. But if you're a larger organization and you've got, you know, hundreds or thousands of people building personal automation things, um, you want to kind of have a handle on what's out there and what you're letting them do and connect to and where they're sending data and things like that. So it's that's something that you have to think about as far as your business apps are concerned. I think it's very powerful to be able to put that in the hands of your people, but at the same time, you have to be able to manage it and recognize the risk. Yeah, we actually talked about that a bit in our previous episode, which is ownership of resources in the power platform. So one of these processes that helps organize maybe someone being a cowboy, but building it in a, uh, an automation in a place that other people can access it and what recommendations we have around that. Cool. So what is, if you could summarize, what is a business that is embracing business apps today look like if you could sum it up in a few sentences uh, i honestly I, I look at that and i say that's a business that is leveraging these tools actually allowing their employees to use the tools right um, letting them innovate because that's ultimately where new ideas are going to come from new creative ideas new ways of doing things um, that ultimately will make things better not only for those employees but ultimately better for your customers right because ultimately that's what they want to do they want to serve that aim <clears throat> excuse me um, so 
allowing that to happen. And then also looking at all of your business applications that you have and starting the journey of analysis to determine whether or not some of those maybe could be moved to something like the power platform, a no code, low code solution. Ultimately, one of the aims there is um, there's probably a couple aims. One would be better integration within your overall office environment, but then also uh, reducing costs overall, right? So instead of managing a behemoth custom app that you built 10 years ago in the same way that you've always done it, can this be reimagined in a no code, low code way that ultimately reduces costs to the business? To manage that application. Integrations have come a long way. Of, yep. Yeah, instead of investing in a massive thing that does everything, if you have tools that individually do things well, maybe you can just connect them together and right. use them both and not have to migrate from one another. Absolutely. Okay, so that is a little bit of a summary of each of the areas in modern workplace that we focus on here at Bulb. And we, have, we plan to talk about more of these in depth in the future and different topics within each of these. So we look forward to those and uh, thanks for the chat today, you guys. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks, Mitch, for being our guide. Thanks for joining us today. If you haven't already, subscribe to our show on your favorite podcasting app so you'll always be up to date on the most recent episodes. This podcast is hosted by the team members of Bulb Digital. Special thanks to Eric Wienemann for our music tracks. If you have any questions for us, head to makeothersuccessful.com and you can get in touch with us there. You'll also find a lot of insightful blogs and videos to help you modernize your workplace. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.